Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. I'm happy to have this guest on. I've been kind of going down this path in the Facebook chat with my wonderful troll listeners. One of the subjects that people wanted me to talk about was my love life, jokingly, but also, I guess, seriously. So I figure before I really go into that, uh, I figure I'd bring this guest on because I think I've been on a journey of, I mean, I think it's it has to be a part of your self-development in reality. Um, but this guest, my good friend Greg Huntermark, turned me on to his uh, new book, The Way of the Seducer, A Code of Honor in the Land of Women, uh, Mr. Hans Komen. Correct? I said it correctly, right? <laughs> Hans Komein. You think Hans of uh, Kurt Cobain, okay, and then uh, you're in the neighborhood. Hans Komein. <laughs> Thank okay. you. You're welcome. I well, I heard. I listened to a video, and some guy kept calling you Hans, and it was just driving me crazy. I'm like, man, it's not a hard A. Um, but uh, so you are currently. So we were just talking about this. You are actually currently in South Africa for um, because you're you're actually a, a competitive athlete in mountain biking, correct? Yes, <laughs> I the, the easiest way I present myself is always as a renaissance man because I'm both an artist and an athlete and a scholar and a seducer. And uh, I'm here in South Africa to relish in my uh, artistry or my being an uh, an athlete. And uh, I'm competing in the Cape Epic, which is presented as the the toughest mountain bike race in the world. It's the, the Tour de France of mountain biking. Eight days of 100k a day uh, with a lot of elevation. So it starts on Sunday. That's why I'm here in that's, Africa. Man, that's intense. So does it? Does you? Does it take you? So is the whole race in South Africa then, or does it go yes. through? Okay. Interesting, man. That's intense, man. I'm uh, I'm trying to get uh, my fitness in line. I don't know. I think for me, I, I think I I feel more tested with entrepreneurship. And my essence mm -hmm. of kind of being a renaissance man or like how I yeah. kind of go about things. But I, I would, I think I would like to be more of an athlete, but man, I've just been doing, I've been trying to get my fitness right. Um, and the like, body is so, the, the body is so important, Drew. It's yeah. like we train your mind. You got to train your body too. It, it gives a complete different perspective on life and a balance. And it's, it's for me also like in anything else to be in contact with your body through athletics or through like suffering on the bike is so important because it, it you, you get to understand it better you get to read the signals better and and it's it's a huge it's a very very important part of life i consider i think everyone should should be active at least you know and, and do sports and train your body as much as you train your mind and your heart and and whatever you know so absolutely yeah i mean personally like i was really into fitness um back in the day and then um Man, I went into corporate America and I put on like 70 pounds and I've <laughs> taken off 40. But man, the biggest like slap in the face was when I'd started farming part time, like just because it was more physical. And I was I think I was planting like a, I'd ordered like 100 chestnut trees and I'd, I was planting them to sell them or, or gift them or trade them. And uh, I woke up the next day and I just felt this weird pain. So I started getting sciatica. So then I, I started eating, I started learning about food, like uh, I started, well, not learning about food, I'd already kind of been on a journey of losing weight, so I just realized I need to lose weight, but I started doing a ton of yoga, and so like mm -hmm. yoga's been really good for me, and now I've, I've just started really doing kettlebell, like just a lighter kettlebell mixed with push-up mm -hmm. workout, but I really, I'm a big guy, I'd rather, I, for me, it's like before I really focus on weights, it's like, man, I want to be able to control my own body, 
I have to get to that to that level to control my own body and work on my flexibility. And it's been like it's something I start doing every day. I mean, something that you you talked about with Greg on his show is you know seducing yourself first, and and something mm-hmm. that for me that why that resonated with me was it was like uh, you know every day I'll I'll do like a morning yoga routine and I'll do like 20 minutes mm-hmm. of meditation and then I, I'll write in a gratitude journal and it just makes mm-hmm. my day so much better. And, um, and I think it's like, and I, when I started doing that too, I think I started back in December and then I just started noticing like my life started to kind of come together a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just started, yes. I, I could pay attention and I could actually see what life was bringing in my direction and know Mm-hmm. Okay, this is actually an opportunity. This isn't a bad thing. Um, exactly. But um, you know, before we get too much into your book, I kind of want to give because I, you know, you're you have a fascinating story. So just kind of a history. So before you kind of went down this path of um, living this life and and finding the way, finding your way as a seducer and Renaissance man, um, you used to be a, an actual scholar and academic, correct? Yes, I was I was groomed to be a professor one day, and I uh, I was a smart kid, and I was a happy kid, and I always got good results in in school, and I went to America to study two years at the USC University of South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> the game class. And uh, I I then I connected. Yes. Then I connected with uh, Bruno Latour, which was one of my heroes. I was reading about him. Uh, and then uh, I was working on a PhD with him um, on uh, what we were calling, we were looking at the, the, the existing educational system, which is a very much top-down system. I'm the teacher, you're the student, repeat what I said and you get good grades. And how that is so ineffective if you want to teach someone, if you, if you want people to remember things. And so we, we, we were looking at what are the better ways to, for people to learn. And basically we figured out, uh, it's not news, but that people learn, uh, they don't gather around knowledge. They don't gather around answers. They gather around questions. And people remember the things that they are concerned about. So if people are curious, if people are concerned about something and they gather around that issue, it's a much better uh, form for people to remember, to grow, to understand, to push the understanding, all of that. And so I was studying that and I was finalizing my, my PhD and I learned that love is our number one concern. Anywhere you go in the world, love romance, adventure, seduction is the number one concern for people, whether it is in, in Tokyo or Brazil or Australia. It's, it unifies us, our concern with love and, and the other. And so I said the academic world goodbye uh, for other reasons as well, because I didn't feel it very sensual and seductive and sexy. And, and I felt also that I didn't have much to contribute there. There are other people much better than me. And um, I'm, around that time, I also met Zan, and we started the Arza Marata, um, the Arts of Love, which meant that we travel around the world and gather people around this issue uh, in all different formats, in seminar formats, but also facilitating conversations, writing about it. Um, I make poetry 
uh, I write music around the very same issue. And so that's what I've been doing since 2008. Okay, so in 2008, so okay, so you you, you join with uh, um, with Zan, which uh, which is it pretty like Zan's message pretty much is is you know I love all women, and uh, and I think it's really healthy because I think for me personally, um, you know I I I've gone down paths to where I definitely feel like I just use women and I let them use me. And it's just kind of empty. I feel like it's not really enjoying what being human is all about. I think that, you know, ultimately, I think I would like to to find somebody and probably settle down and get married and have a family. But in the meantime, it's like I have to get to the point to where, um, you know, it's 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 on my terms. And I think that so I want and I, and like I feel like I'm getting closer and closer. Um, but you know, one thing that you know so. So, but your message is kind of a little bit different, and you've kind of parted ways from Zan, correct? Yeah, we parted ways two years ago, and it was over, over, mainly over this that I, I, I wanted, I sense, and I wanted to explore the darker side of seduction as well. I think what Zan presents to the world is very valuable, and and people need to hear it, and it's a great counterpoint for a lot of the the fear and, and anger-based way people or guys look at seduction, mainly as a, a tool to get from the other what, what, what they covertly desire. And so it's a very important message. Uh, but I didn't want to stay blind to the brutality that's at the core of seduction. I say there's greater brutality to seduction than political correctness allows us to explore. And if we don't, if we want to avoid being enslaved by those powers, we better understand them well. And, uh, and so I set off on a path to, to try to understand what it is, uh, what that brutality of seduction is, what the darker side of seduction is. And so I've been doing that for the past three years and try to incorporate it in, in my teachings. And it's, not an, it's an artistic part, but it's not an easy part to discuss because as soon as you bring those truths into the open uh you're faced with a lot of moral judgment and 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 political correctness and so it's it's not easy to discuss them without people resorting to a, a, a moral judgment and and yelling that it's wrong um so it's it's kind of like a, a balancing act and i like it that way and the way that i found uh, best to present it is through seduction instead of an academic presentation of the darker side of seduction. I, I, I allude to it. I hint upon it so people understand what I'm talking about. No, we're both in the no and nobody feels the need to become defensive because even though we're both in the no, it's not really in the open and there's a big difference between the two. I don't know if that makes sense to you, Drew. No, it it does, um, but I I think is it is it good that it kind of stays out of the open? Like I think that uh, I mean it's I mean pretty it's pretty obvious that like women, I mean the way that women got behind Fifty Shades of Grey, which is written by a Mormon, which was it was like originally uh, Twilight fan fiction, and now it's like this huge movie. It came out in IMAX and on on Valentine's Day. 
it's it's obviously resonating with a lot of women like women want to be seduced women want like there's a part not all women but like there's there's a part of of keeping the mystery alive within your relationship to to keep that yes. electricity going it's a great example the 50 shades of gray like during the 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 me too movement and 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 harvey weinstein and everything else that at the same time you know 50 shades of gray is the best selling book of all time you know there is something there <laughs> there is something there in that that makes a book like that so incredibly attractive to women there is there is there is there is something in the fact that a big part of fantasies of women uh, include brutality some kinds of brutality and and so it is there you know and and we cannot ignore it or we cannot just yell wrong 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 because when we do that we'll never understand the powers that are that are happening there and so what i propose is to try to understand them you know try to incorporate them try to come to terms with them so we can put them to good use yeah absolutely i think um I mean, so me for me personally, it's uh, it's you know when I hear you say that, I think that you know, um, you know, you can't look at. I think for men, it's it's challenging. So I think for me, even it was hard for me to like. I knew I wanted you know beautiful women. Like I wanted a, a girl that I found just beautiful. Like you know, like as soon as I see her, you know, it's 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 hard to breathe or it's hard to it's uh -huh. it's hard to think it's it's just this this instant super powerful amount of anxiety that that hits me and then i think for me like something i had to overcome was like and it and it's still like difficult it's just the idea of jealousy like if if i find somebody that attractive somebody else is going to too but it's not mm -hmm. something i can just i can't take her attention it's something that mm -hmm. she has to want to give to me and I have to be in a position to 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 seduce her to kind of submit that attention to to me. Correct? Is that kind yeah. of what and that it's it's stuff you cover in the book and it was stuff that's on the same page. Like, you know, women aren't my property. Women have their own lives <coughs> and they, they are their own people, but they want to be with a man. They want to submit to a man or a woman, whatever they like. And men are the same way. Like men men at the same time, like even for me, like I'm you know, I'm, you know, I consider myself a Renaissance man. You, you do as well. You do, you know, you're a mountain biker. You, you have, you have passions in your life that you have to follow because it, and it's, and it goes back to wanting to seduce yourself. Correct. Uh -huh. Well, there's a lot that you cover there, but the jealousy is a very specific thing. You know, if like the jealousy to me has no place in the, in the love part of a relationship, it may have a place in the desire part of a relationship. If we want from our partners to be great friends and also great lovers, then the jealousy has no part in the, in the, in the friendship to me. And for a lot of people, it does. They see it as a sign of love and it's not a sign of love. Uh, to me, jealousy is always is the, 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 the fear that we're going to lose the other to someone else who's better than us. And that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. uh, so to me, in my relationships, there is no place for jealousy. In the way I relate to my girlfriend, there's no place for jealousy. There may be a place of possessiveness and power games in, in, in the realm 
where we are lovers when we are when 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 there's desire, but there's no place for that in the way we relate to one another. Yeah, I, I hope that that makes sense to you. Absolutely. So I I could I could explore my jealousy or 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 feed it uh, when we're lovers, but there's no place for it uh, when we are friends when we're developing our relationship, and uh, and and that's very poorly understood by people because it is. It is common ground in our society to see jealousy or a little bit of jealousy as a sign of, of love. And to me, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. There's no place for possessiveness in, in, in love. It's like a bird. And when you cage it, you don't know if it loves you. But if you let it free and it comes back to you, then you know. I tell guys all the time, you know, if you, if you, if you imagine your girlfriend, can you imagine your girlfriend being completely happy with another man? What is the first sentiment that comes uh, to you? And if it's not one of complete joy, you still have issues of, of possessiveness. I go even further. I say, imagine your girlfriend is having sex with a great guy who has a much bigger penis than yours, and she has incredible orgasms. You know, what is the first sentiment that comes to you? If it's not one of complete joy for your for your girlfriend that she's having the time of your life, you still have uh, issues with with possession. And, and you got to work on that because to me in the love part, there is no, as, as an emotional reaction, because that's what's often happening with people, there is no place for that. There is no place for jealousy. There is no place for possessiveness. You might use it in, in, the, in the erotic realm in the, when, when you go into the realm of being lovers. There is fun as a game, but as an emotional reaction, to the way you relate to one another, I, I, I see no use of it. Yeah, that's really good. I think for me, it's a, it's, it's just a sign of just insecurity. I mean, it's just a sign of, um, you know, and I, and I think that's kind of it. I mean, something in your book you talk about Mm -hmm. is being graceful. I mean, I think for man in the past, um, Man, I'll share a story. So my first love, like I was, you know, we were both super religious and we wait and we didn't ever, you know, actually have intercourse or sex because of we were religious is maybe because of me. And I think, you know, this girl always wanted me to like she always wanted me to to be her first and I wanted her to be my first. And then when it didn't happen and the relationship ended poorly and I was really just immature and emotional and I wanted to hurt her. Um, because I felt she'd hurt me and it was just really awful. And, you know, now like we're not even friends. Like there's some, I was cleaning out my, my, my grandfather's house and there's this picture of me and her at his house, like really happy. And I think we're like 19, um, and I'm 33 now. And it just was like one of those moments where I just looked back at it and I was like, man, like what, what was wrong with me back then? Why was I so Mm -hmm. fucked up? Like why? Because it wasn't ever about like, cause I, I didn't truly really care about her i just wanted her attention and i wanted her to be my property in a sense or not even like in Mm -hmm. a in a very like because it's one thing where it's like i'm giving myself to this person and she's giving myself herself to me but it's another thing if Mm -hmm. it was like i was clearly just trying to take from her if that makes sense right yes and but what you say and that's very important for people to understand so they can forgive themselves also it's not evil it's insecurity and, and lack of experience. And I've, I've been possessive too. I've been jealous in, in the past too. And I learned from it. But it is, like you said, it's insecurity. It's not being evil. It's not wanting to do bad. It's just insecurity. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, something else is, you know, something I talked to, you know, in your book you talked about was um, being open to invitations. So, like, for me, like, I'm, you know, I, I do have somebody that I'm, like, just absolutely crazy about. And um, it's just kind of like a process for the two of us. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, something that you said in the book is, like, kind of being open to invitations even if it's not somebody that you're that crazy about, um, because it's, it's to learn to just treat, you know, to, to still seduce and treat everybody with like kind of that. Um, yes, I can't, I can't, I'm kind of lost for words on it. I, I think, I think if you're a seducer, I consider myself a seducer. You're always a seducer. You don't turn it on. You don't have to turn it off. And you're a seducer with everyone. You're seducing yourself. You're seducing the world around you and you're seducing all women. I also say you, you, you keep your most seductive arrows for the ones you're most fascinated by, but it doesn't mean you should not be seductive with the waitress, with uh, the girl that's less beautiful, with the girl that you're not so fascinated by. And I also say as a very practical rule to, for men uh, to, to understand women, to grow as a man, as a seducer, um, to, to, to date as many women as you can, meaning to go on a date anytime you're invited, go on a date. You know, it's all your becoming. It's all experience. It's all uh, also a possibility to give back to the world. So uh, you're a seducer with everyone. And, and I see if a man is a seducer in the way he treats the women that he's not fascinated by. I see when a man is a seducer in the way he treats the waitresses. I see how he treats his friends how he treats his parents it's in how you do one thing is how you do everything and it's in those moments that you see if a man is truly a seducer if he's seducing the world around him yeah absolutely it's kind of so for me what really kind of resonates it's kind of um it's like kind of somebody had said to me that they felt like i was a a Taoist, and i'm not (laughs) like just philosophically like i don't not necessarily where people take it to like a religious thing but just like the this understanding your way and I think it's very to be a seducer. It's it's kind of in a way, and I don't I don't always like talking about Taoism because when people talk about it, I think they always sound dorky. But it's very you know it's 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 kind of really kind of understanding like you know they're like kind of the the Dao, seduction for me is kind of like a the Tao in the sense that like yes it's exactly it's, yeah it's bringing it's a, you it's a yeah. it's a way of living and it's it's not just it's not a tool to get from the other world. Covertly desire, it's it's an art form. To me, it's the highest form of art, and it it deserves to be explored uh, for its own sake. To me, seduction really is a way of life. I say I'm a Renaissance man, but the thing that encapsulates everything is seduction, um, and and so to me, it's really a way of living, a way of moving through the world. And so I, yeah, I'm happy you, you see it that way also because that's certainly how i see it you know seduction is is my way of going of living my life you, you still there hans yes i am okay i didn't know if you okay you said it's your way of living your life i didn't know if you're gonna say something else after there sorry <laughs> <laughs> um i think i think our lack might have went away too which is great but yes. yeah i for me too i think it, and, I don't, and i don't think i've always realized that and it was something when i was reading your book and listening to your conversations it's not even like um i think too it's it's not 
and I think too, it's it's easy to get lost in the woods of thinking seduction is is a hundred percent sexual because it's it's not at all. I think it's no. um like it is a part of it, but I think even for me, um, you know, I had I had another girl, which I'll I'll share some more personal stuff since uh, <laughs> the podcast audience wants to hear about my love life. Um, <laughs> it was it was one of these situations that I thought she was really beautiful. She was kind of complicated. Um, I'd met her, she'd started listening to my podcast. I met her in, um, she lived in California and, um, you know, she was really jealous and it was like, if, if I went out because I am, I'm, you know, one thing for me is when I go out in the world, I want to make my world, the world around me, a product of me, not the other way around. And so Uh if I go to, um, like we, we went to the movie and I was just being really friendly and nice to the, the girl bartender there because, you know what, working in a service job sucks most of the time. And if I could go there and, and make her smile and, and, you know, maybe she'll give me a little bit more drinks just for being a human and I'll tip her well, and, you know, just to like kind of make that person's day a little bit better. Right. Because it's like I mm-hmm. I'm coming from a from that kind of position of power in my life of I want to give back. And um, mm-hmm. and she would be so jealous of that and then i didn't realize how that made me very self-conscious of 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 how i was interacting with with women and then it kind of got to this point to where i didn't even have friends that were women and then it and then it was also um i think too is something that you also said was playing small was i was i was I, i was playing small and then i was just finding myself in situations with women where i shouldn't have have necessarily been involved with them in the first place romantically Uh and 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 so i think it's it's important to to this this idea of playing small um one thing is is you know always shoot for the stars right and i think Mm -hmm. that's that's kind of it and what you were saying about the arrows um and i that just kind of all tied tied it all back together for me just because of that experience with that one girl those are those are two very interesting things i really like the first story because my girlfriend she used to be very jealous also and it's usually it's not something i i i can deal with very well except uh, maria my girlfriend she she wanted to change she she didn't like her own jealousy and so i worked with her but i really like what you said that because of the jealousy, you also become self-conscious because I recognize it in me because now it's something I have to deal with where before I didn't. And I felt the same kind of thing that I would, that I would play it, not play it down, but like I would become self-conscious about it and it's not a good thing. And so I had to weigh out the disadvantages and the the advantages of that like do i want to invest the time to help her get over that at the price of me for the time being also like become self-conscious about these things and i did like i allowed incredible uh jealousy which i would never allow because she was committed to get rid of it and and she really grew in it you know but i never thought of that uh, drew and you, you pointed that it, there was there's an energy that comes with her jealousy that makes me play it down, makes me self-conscious, and and makes me also uh, be let's say less successful as a seducer. So and that's a price that I paid 
And, and I never thought of it, but that's very clear to me now. Now for the, the, the second part, when you say uh, a, a plain small, I don't, you say it, it, it ties it together, but I didn't, I didn't understand that quite. Okay. I can see yeah, the role of playing things down. So I, yeah, so say I think, that again. Yeah. So I think what happened was, um, I think for me, like, and it was actually, I think probably two separate thoughts and I think it was kind of tied together because I really thought, you know, this, this girl was beautiful and everything. Um, but you know, it wasn't like kind of like an ideal situation for me. Like she wasn't a hundred percent, she was separated. It wasn't a hundred percent divorced from her husband and was still kind of like dealing with some things. And it was like, I cared about her and I felt like it was like, I didn't want, I wanted to her and I to go down this path to figure out if this was a good opportunity for the two of us. Um, mm-hmm. And then like when that ended poorly, I think it, it, it was because I, I had like, it wasn't for my situation with her, it wasn't something she was trying to improve. It was something that like I was just right. dealing with. And I wasn't like, I wasn't, I wasn't talking to her about it. I wasn't necessarily standing up for myself or just saying mm-hmm. that I was just kind of taking it. Cause I did have strong feelings for her. And then, um, so I think what, what kind of happened was, is I just kind of got stuck in this, uh, I didn't want to, to, I didn't want to put myself back out there and really kind of shoot for the stars or really go after women that I was actually really attracted to, which the idea of rejection from them is really scary, even Mm. though it's silly because, because of that, because it was like, man, I, I was already hurt. I don't want to put myself back out there. Got it. And I didn't realize how it was actually inhibiting me in other areas of my life. Like, because it's right. like, and, and so that's what I'm, I was trying to say. I'm not always the best at explaining. I, I, Hans, no, I hear you. Okay, let me, cool. let me tell you, let me, let me tell you that this about that. Like I, I do believe every relationship should be glorious, but it's what I'm, vigilant about is when people say shooting for the stars people are going to understand this that you go that you have this idea that a woman has everything you desire i'm a big defender of this as well a relationship is what it is and to me the fact that for example maria wants to learn that's a huge thing and and the relationship is what it is which means i'm very uh uh I'm very aware or I'm very vigilant that I don't compare the relationship that I have with some kind of ideal. I'm very careful not to expect from my girlfriend to fulfill every desire. So I just wanted to make that, that note when, when I say shooting for the stars, for me, it means it has to be glorious, but it can be glorious in many ways. And to me, glorious does not mean she has to fulfill every desire and she doesn't have to be uh, uh, my ideal, you know. She, it has to be, it can be glorious in many different ways. And my relationship, for example, is, is glorious in the way that we know how to fight gracefully. This is the first girl I met who could, like, in the middle of a fight, can put her ego aside and say, okay, you know, let's grow from there. And it's a very rare thing. And uh, we can... I can tell her, hey, you can stop being a bitch right now. And she says, yeah, you know what? You're right. Or she can say, you know, hey, you're being an asshole. You know, and I can say, I can look at it. It's okay. Yes, I was wrong. And that I love. That makes that relationship glorious. You know, and, and Maria is not everything I ever desired. And I'm not expecting it from her. 
So I just wanted to make that clear to people. When, when you say shoot for the stars, I agree with you. It doesn't mean that this woman is going to fulfill every of your desires. In fact, it's, it's rather impossible and you should sure not expect it from her. No, and I, and I, and actually, yeah. And I, and I mean it the same way as you, like somebody like for me, like, um, this new person that I'm, I'm like talking to and we're, you know, we're kind of seeing each other. It's like a different, for me, it's like a, it makes our interactions or our, our electricity makes me want to go after my dreams in life. It makes me want to uh-huh. be successful. It makes me want to make bigger goals and, and shoot. That is a good dreams. touchstone. That is a good touchstone for every relationship. Does this relationship help me thrive? Yes. Are you taking care of someone or is that person, that, that relationship also helping you thrive? Does it make you better? Yes. And, and to, and on a second point for when you are saying the expectation that this person is going to fulfill or the idea that somebody's going to fulfill every expectation, you know, one thing that, um, that I really work hard on is not, not adding meaning to things, um, which mm-hmm. Hunter Marks really helped, helped me with just having conversations with him about, but also not ever having expectations, like not, mm-hmm. not saying like, saying well we've been on five dates so we are now um you are now mine and i'm yours but it doesn't it doesn't work that way and but the the thing too with um with with the idea that um people are gonna this idea that somebody's gonna fulfill every desire that you have i think is the biggest issue with online dating oh man it's incredible and and you know when you say that i i know that i'm guilty of this and it's not that i expect everything from one person i'm not guilty of that but there are certain things in my life that i want so bad that and and i get along with my girlfriend so well that i start hoping expecting almost that she would give those things to me and it's such a i have to be so vigilant that i don't do that you know because it's so unfair to do that but i want them so bad and we get along so well that it's so natural also to start expecting them from her, you know, Absolutely. as a way, as a way to say, improve the relationship. And it's, it's, it's okay to want them, to desire them and to look <coughs> if it's possible with this girl, but it's a very tight rope to walk. And it's, you gotta be very careful not to expect them because you will be disappointed. And I, and I've seen it and I see it in the way I get agitated when I get agitated, it's because I was expecting it from her. Yeah. So I have to be very careful. Uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and so something I was saying, too, was I think that that's also an issue with, with uh, and I think I'm going to cut out, was online dating, especially with like Tinder and Bumble and stuff like that to where it's, I feel like when people start, I know for me, I've experienced this, so it's like I'll I'll start talking to somebody online mm. and then I'm just building this romantic idea of how they're going to be this perfect person in my life and this is what I'm looking for but instead it's it's weird because it's you know people I feel like this whole stranger danger thing and there's a lot of other things at least in American culture where the idea of meeting somebody in public is is like a a weird thing which is not good I think it's when you talk about in your book about the dance, the, you know, the seduction dance, it's, um, man, it, it, 
my last I've, I've had one relationship that it was like through an online dating app that was actually like a real relationship but everything else it's like meeting them in public and and starting a conversation and kind of having that um you know charming conversation with them and and just trying to to kind of rope them into to like hey yes. let's let's continue having fun like let's continue talking let's continue laughing and i think like one of the things i'm realizing right. just with online dating is it's not um it it really disrupts the dance it really takes away from the dance and then it and instead I, of are you, you keep going you're you're 100 correct i i'm not sure it's bec- like i'm very unsuccessful in online dating <laughs> and so i'm not the, the best one to ask <laughs> but uh but it is i don't think it's the expectation but i do think it's the 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 easy the the, the ease with which you can ignore the other yeah you know it's we we in our day and age, we lack in commitment because like love has become a way, a, a bit of a commodity. You're looking like, these are my expectations. How many of these boxes do you tick? You know? And yeah. if it's not that, well, I'll get another product, you know? And they did it. They did studies with arranged marriages and people, I'm, I'm going to get back to the, to the Tinder dating. Don't worry. They did studies and people in arranged marriages, not only, uh, stick together for longer, <laughs> which is normal, but they're also happier. And, and, and the reason being that, or not the reason being, but arranged marriages, I'm not for arranged or against them, but the arranged marriages have the advantage over our kind of relationships because they have to make it work. There's a real commitment there, which means the alternative is no longer an option. We, with us, we no longer... A commit because the alternative is always an option and you can see that very clearly with internet dating because there's so many alternatives and it's very easy to get to them it's right after the next swipe you know and so we lost something there along the way and i'm i'm, I'm also seeing indeed like i feel 100 confident on a date once i have someone in front of me it's not a problem i can i can talk to them in five minutes the woman across will think, wow, this is a different man. I have 100% confidence in that. I don't have the same confidence in the approach or worse, in the online dating. And because when you, in the online dating, it doesn't really matter who you are. What matters is what you represent. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm a mess with online dating. <laughs> uh, and the, 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 the cold approach say is a little bit, it's a little bit different. It's still important what you represent, but you, you, if you, you can buy some time there if you get past the initial awkwardness and the, and the woman is willing to listen. Here you can start showing your real authentic self and, th- and then I'm okay. But uh, yeah, you touched upon something there. Uh, you say expectations, but to me it's the ease with which you can like go for the alternative that makes online dating such a, uh, a hard to grasp interaction and uh, yeah i'm terrible at it yeah well because it's it's just online shopping like dating has turned into online shopping and it's not um (laughs) it's not a real Mm -hmm. it's and i think that's kind of it like it's people like you were saying with a commodity it's it's yeah it's just a commodity it's you know i but again too it's also i think um people are discounting um the the spirit 
just the, the the aspect of living, right? So the aspect of living mm-hmm. and experiencing and loving and hurting and understanding that that's valuable information for you to learn and develop yourself when, you know, mm-hmm. it's easier with online dating to where, oh, I just have this biological need that I want met, so I'm just going to meet this person and have sex with them and then never talk to them again. Oh, man, Drew, I don't want to sound old, you know, but sometimes I think it's it's getting worse, you know. Like you said, it's, it's shopping. Yeah. You know? And I, there's nothing I hate, hate more than shopping. <laughs> it's like, and and that's what it, what it comes down to. You know, it's really hard to get past. It's like, <laughs> it's incredible you say that. When you when you go into like a shopping street and you see women, like they, they notice something in the uh, window that they really like and they go from one side of the street laser focused in across the street. They don't notice anything around them anymore. You know, you got to really walk or they walk all over you. And that aggravates me in a way. And, and I realize now that's a bit like what, what online shopping or online dating has become, you know, they're looking for something or they see something and they, they forget the living part. They forget the, 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 the thing that's right around them, you know? And so it's really hard to, to, to break that spell in a way to wake people up. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, um, I, I had to, to change the conversation I was having with myself. Um, because again, like there was just, um, you know, I was just getting caught up in just situations I, I didn't want to be in. And I think it was because mm-hmm. I, I was, I don't want to say I was settling, but I, I was just trying to, I was looking for something and then saying, oh, this is, this is what I'm looking for. And then having tunnel vision and not listening. And I wasn't listening. And it, and it was like, I was, I was essentially arguing with reality when it was coming to my dating life. And then it, it now it's, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's more of, of listening and being in this frequency of, you know, um, a lot of times right. I, uh, people, people defend me and my, a lot of my friends, because they know of like decisions I've made with women in the past where they, they're, they're like, uh, you getting rid of, did you get rid of that person yet? Or come on now, like you should probably move on. I'm like, no, nah, man. Cause I think a lot of my friends want to protect me. Cause I am like, you know, I'm a, I'm a good friend. And they're looking to protect me, but it's like, you know, no, like I, I, I want to get hurt. I want to put myself mm-hmm. out there. I want to, to, to experience, you know, this, this person ended up not wanting to be with me and, uh-huh. and, and I need to, I, I need to be okay with that. I need to uh, pick myself up and, and put myself back out there again, which is so, which is just so important. It's so important to, to. To be okay with that, and I think it's not just in dating, and and like if you can do it in dating, then you can do it in in you know with with entrepreneurship, or you can do it with um, an intense race where you really want to do well at this mountain bike race, but you know what? Maybe everybody's a lot better than you, and then you get your ass kicked. But at least you mm-hmm. knew that you brought, you showed up, and you brought yourself the best self you could to that that right. that competition, right? There's, there's, you know, there's, it's, it's being open to all outcomes and attached to none. Like people sometimes say, don't chase, don't chase. I think the chase is beautiful. I think it's great to go for what you want. The problem is never the chase. The problem is to be attached to the kill. And those are two different things. I, I was a football player, a soccer player. 
And I'm, I'm like a, a cyclist, I'm a, I'm a fierce competitor. I give everything. I do anything to win. And once the, the game is over, I'm okay with whatever result it is because I'm such an intense competitor. I was trying to understand, Drew, what was going on with you. And we don't know each other well. So I'm, let me ask you a question. And yeah. this, this may be unclear because I'm, I'm forming the thoughts in my head as well. Are you saying that you were too hell-bent, too focused on getting what you want, that you were not listening to the rhythm of life, that you were not listening to what life was trying to tell you? Absolutely. Yeah, that's mm. exactly what I'm saying. That's very funny because a friend told me that uh, last week, you know, because I have a bit of that too. I have a bit of that too where I'm, I'm so uh, convinced of my creative power and I also want to make sure that I do everything in my power that I may sometimes not listen to what life is trying to tell you, tell me. Uh, I've written before and I still stand by that, that, that uh, a man has to go for what he wants. You know, he has to give 100% and go after for what he wants. And then, and only then life will do the humbling for him. And uh, so, but I'm, I'm, I'm in a period where I'm saying, okay, is there something I'm missing here? Uh, is life trying to tell me something that I'm not seeing because I'm so caught up in my own creative power? Maybe. I mean, it will, <laughs> if, you, if you don't listen to it, it's eventually going to slap you in the face. So you'll mm -hmm. find out either way. And then I think yeah. you just got to <laughs> roll with it. I mean, it happens to me. I mean, I have, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I, it's, it's interesting. I, I feel like the more, the further I'm removed from corporate America, the easier it is to listen. But even then, I mean, you're not going to be able to hear everything. And I think that's what makes us human, right? Is that you're, you're never going to be able to hear every opportunity or see every opportunity. All you can do is just continue to work and, and yes. put yourself in a position to, to constantly be open to it. And just like you said, not be attached to any right. outcome, but be open to all. That is my way of like soothing my fear that I'm not listening well to the rhythm is that I know and I see it in my own behavior that I'm okay with everything, with whatever is coming my way. I'm never like agitated or f very frustrated or I'm okay with whatever outcome. And that makes me believe that I'm, I'm, if not completely, I'm a lot more in tune with what life is offering me. Uh, than I was before. I'm 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 way more listening to the rhythm of it all. Yeah, man. No, I I, I try to do the same. I think uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's so easy to even just in um, because I, I, it is man. It, you can't say yes to everything, and it's and you know and I think that's the I think at some point in time, man. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like I've. I've I've done enough and I've worked hard to to get myself in the position that I'm in in life. And you know and 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 I think you know for me personally because I am still making that transition from corporate America to where I had a very nice I was making a very nice living money-wise but not uh -huh. not a very good life of I mean I I was I was making the best of a bad situation but it wasn't a life that I would want ideally. And I think now that mm -hmm. I'm working more towards that life mm -hmm. um 
you know, I had to sacrifice money at the start, but I, I think, you know, money's a tool and it, and it comes and goes, it's just an energy. And I think it's, it's going to flow back in my direction. Mm -hmm. So I just have to keep, you know, keep, keep doing what I'm doing. But it, you know, for me, I get, I get, a, I get really distracted by shiny objects and I, and it's, uh, because I, because I just want to experience so much of life, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's so easy to, and I'm okay. My, my one friend, um, you're very gregarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. My, my one good friend, Greg Burns, he always says, uh, I always bite off more than I can chew because I want to see what I, what I, what I'm made out of. So a lot of times when I bite off more than I could chew, I eat it cold. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think that's, and I think that's, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's, it's, it's important to figure out who you are as a person or as a seducer and what, what it is in your, because, you know, the things you like aren't going to be the same thing. I think, you know, Drew, I think it's, we're very similar that way. I think life should be lived gregariously. Yeah. You know, like I said, it's only as a human when we're, when that's being fully human and then life will do the humbling for us. And I'll say only if we live gregariously, if we live outrageously, if we live fanatically, you know, life will do the humbling for us. It's like, I, I, I have a lot of spiritual friends, let's say, and I'm going short through the turn here, but what I'm realizing more and more, a lot of spiritual teachings, when they're teaching being, when they're teaching presence, when they're teaching rhythm, I often feel like it lacks directive. And I think it's a very important part um, for us humans that we also include next to the being, next to the presence that we, that we include uh, direction, that we include strife, that we include chasing, you know? All as a game, not as something that is like defining us, but as a game and you go 100% in it. You know, like I said, the chase is not the problem. The attachment to the kill is you got to do it. You got to live gregariously. You got to bite off a big chunk, you know, and then say, fuck, I was wrong. Yeah. And, and, and only, it's only because you did that that you can find out that you were wrong and then you change your mind. I think that is the real rhythm of life. That's what, that's, I think that's our the way we interact with life and with the gods, you know, we're being human and then they set us straight and then we go again. I think that's exactly how it should be. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think, um, you know, and I think it changes as your life changes. I think, you know, I think once, uh, once and if I do become a family man, I mean, that, that, that uh, you know, that, that might change or it might make more of me. I mean, like I look at my buddy, Greg Burns, he's got seven kids and he's like one of the mm -hmm. coolest dudes I know. And I always joke with him and I call him a, a hillbilly hipster <laughs> because he's so far ahead of the curve and it like it uh it bugs him so much. He's like, Well, how am I a hipster, man? I'm like, Because dude, you're so cool and you still have and you have seven kids. Like most of my friends that have kids just start to get boring right. and they start to to they start to just kind of turn into the to the mundane of life. Not all. Of My them. goodness. You know no, I mean? no, no. But it's so important as man to keep our vitality. You know, that's what we're made of. That's our that's our birthright. That's our masculinity right now, right there. You know, that vitality. You know, that that like wanting to build stuff, wanting to destroy stuff, wanting to make change. You know, that is 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 the core of our masculinity to go forward. You know, and so it's. I think it's very important to never lose that. 
you may lose it and, and people are fine doing that, but I have, I have it as my uh, part of my life goal is to, to feel that aliveness, you know, to feel that fire, to feel that vitality. I think that's a, a, a good goal in itself. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the same page a hundred percent. And then, um, and, uh, I don't know how much time you have, uh, but I did want to touch on, uh, because you did, uh, you did get into it about veganism with a lot of listeners, just so they know <laughs> that you said, because you said something like, you know, I was blown away when I was talking to them because they all had deep thoughts about it. It wasn't like, uh, it wasn't, it was yes. like, oh, they've actually considered this before. Very articulate. Also, a willingness to like uh, be corrected, and I love that. Like, I love the feeling of finding out I was wrong. People don't understand that, but I really like it. I really like to find out, fuck, I was wrong. And so I saw the same ability to put the ego aside, you know, and discuss the issue at hand without wanting to be right. You know, uh, I'm not right. You're not wrong. The important is that we get along, and so. As the core of a relationship, I always say, is the ability to fight gracefully. And so uh, when I see that uh, with my girlfriend, I think, okay, we can go far. When I see that in, in France, I say we can go far. It's the number one thing I look for is the, the, the ability to fight gracefully. And not only were the, the thoughts very articulate, these were, I don't know how you gathered them, <laughs> but these were all men who had thought about it and had very articulate uh, thoughts and, and writings about it but they also had the ability to like put the ego aside and and look at the issue right in front and, and say okay there i was right no there i was wrong and i like that and it's a very rare thing then it's a very rare thing yeah i think a lot of it too i mean they're all a lot of them are, are small-scale farmers they've all gone down different paths or i think i think a lot of it too is just cultivating that relationship with food in your life and determining <laughs> what is you know, because this is something that's like one of the most important things we do to be alive is eat. And you should be mindful of that. Like you should be very deliberate with it. And I think, you know, it's, it's changed my life personally. Like it's, you know, I mean, like I'm a small scale farmer and, um, and you know, and I think, uh, Luke, Luke gross, he, he listens. And I think he's actually, um, and Luke, you know, I, I actually need to get him on the podcast and, uh, he's not too far from me. But I mean, just a lot of those guys that commented, and and I and I was happy. It didn't get, uh, it didn't get, it didn't. It, people didn't get lost in the weeds, especially with right. uh, just the climate that we're in today. I mean, especially, I'm I'm thinking. I mean, by the looks of it, things are very similar <laughs> in Europe as they are here. I mean, everything is just so polarized with with yes. political correctness, and and who are we offending? Who aren't we offending? And it's oh like, man, look, offend me, please, like offend me. <laughs> I want to be offended. <laughs> I heard a great joke. Uh, it's very interesting. It said this. The joke said, uh, a vegan, uh, someone who got Bitcoin, and someone who didn't vote in the American elections get together in a bar. Who brings up the subject first? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, man. That's so funny. That's so funny. You have you have Bitcoin, Hans? Did you did you uh, did you get no, the Bitcoin? No. I didn't. I missed it. I had an opportunity to, when it was like eight dollars, and I just mm. didn't do it. But uh, 
And I didn't I didn't vote either. I don't vote in the election. So. <laughs> and you're not a vegan. <laughs> and I'm not a vegan, no. No, I was a vegetarian for a year. And I think that was kind of like my path. And I and I think too, man, I think everybody's body's different. I think you have to listen yes. to your body. Like for me, like I tried, like I feel a lot better when I eat meat. But it's also like I'm very conscious of the meat I eat. Like I've had a relationship with every animal that most of the animals I consumed, I had a relationship with. I'm not always, I'm not right. perfect. I'm trying to get to where I'm only eating my greens and then the, the pork that I have in my freezer or, or beef if I know the farmer and know how it was raised. Um, but, uh -huh. you know, you, you just have to be, and I think it just goes back to just the way that you seduce yourself in life. Like, you have to be yes. deliberate in your approach to the food, to the way you train, the way you're listening to your body. And I think, um, yeah, a, so you were going to say something there. It's a constant meditation and it's like deliberateness. That's exactly true. Like nothing is just like up to chance while you're listening to the rhythm of life. I think it is our task to be deliberate, be conscious about the things that we do. I was, I was, uh, yeah, very pleasantly surprised about that. You know, everyone who was talking there was very deliberate about their food. And I think it's great. It's a great thing. Yeah. It all starts with food, man. <laughs> I mean, in reality, I'm becoming more and more obsessed with it. Yeah, I mean, if like you're a, eating junk food, how are you supposed to hear anything else besides your body saying, "Why'd you put this junk in me?" <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, but it's true. I'm, I'm, I'm growing more and more deliberate, and what I put in, and like just the, the the shift of of eating and then seeing food as nutrition. That was a big thing for me. You see it as nutrition, and I'm sinning more than i like but to really see food as like nutrition how that shifted the way i look the way i cook and what i eat is, is incredible yeah and i think too i mean there's a place i mean i i like man i used to really enjoy craft beer but my body just is not i get really inflamed and i feel sick the next day and it's like i need to scale this back so now i'm i'm trying to find as much crafted distilled distilled spirits as possible um, those are a little bit harder to come by and not necessarily the most legal in the world, but man, I feel a lot better and they taste better. But I mean, there's even then, I mean, alcohol is not good for you, but sometimes it's like, I, I don't mind. Like, I feel like we all have our vices, like you said, like, yes. And I think it's important to know what your limitations are. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to be moral about it at all. And I think, um, and I think that's the more you, the more you're deliberate, the more you can also like go into the dark side and do the wrong thing, knowing that you'll come back the other side. You know? And that's courtesy of your deliberateness and your consciousness around it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense, man. Um, I, I'm a hundred percent on the same page. Well, Hans, we're about an hour. I'd love to have you on again. Um, I know you're a busy <laughs> guy and it's getting late where you are in South Africa and I'm sure you, I don't know what your schedule is. Um, but, uh, I'm imagining you, you probably go to bed and get sleep if you're if you're about to train for this crazy ass hundred kilometer well, a day mountain. I'm in tapering I'm tapering mode now, so I don't have to the, the fitness must be there. I just have to like keep my legs a bit moving. So I'm not training hard. I'm just waiting to get it done because this is two years in the making. I was gonna go, we were invited last year, but then I crashed in Turkey and I had a I was in the hospital. So we got invited this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the process, but I'm very much looking forward to getting it done, to have this challenge met, you know? So uh, come 
uh, March 25 and, and 700 kilometers on a mountain bike later, uh, I, 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 I'll be an accomplished man. <laughs> That's awesome. And so if people want to purchase your book, um, they can go to hanscromain.com and that's H-A-N-S-C-O-M-Y-N um, and they can purchase it. Uh, it's it's uh, 25 euro and that includes shipping. Um, yes. And also you're, you you mentioned something on Greg's Greg's show. If people would be interested, um, you're having, is the retreat full now or? Uh, it's not full yet. So you can still come. But let me tell you this about that. I, 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 read, I wrote something today. Uh, if you have time, I want to read it because it will Absolutely. lead into it. Absolutely. And it's, it, this is really the edge of my understanding. Like my main focus, uh, Drew, has been community. And, and I realized something today. I'll just read it. I wrote this. We need our romantic relationships to exist within the larger social context of your tribe, of your community. If you want your couple connection to continue to thrive, it must exist within a community connection, not as a mere backdrop or larger framework, but as its touchstone, as its provider of meaning, as its point of reference. As much as the couple requires a juxtaposition between absence and presence, distance to intimacy, adventure to safety, it also requires a constant back and forth between it's us against the world and I or we play our part in the world. That may be the most valuable meaning of an extended family. In and through community lies our salvation. So if you really want to commit to your couple, maybe it's time you contribute more to your community. And I see this, Drew, clearer and clearer. And that's why I also want to, because you, you talk about the, the events, we're having uh, a, an experiential experience in Malaga, Spain on June 11 to 13, uh, 11 to 14, and 15 to 18. But, and it's about women and how to be successful with women, but also how to be successful in life. But it's also living together and it's also celebrating with the people from Malaga. And at large, it is uh, for, to give you a glimpse and experience the power, the healing, the transformative power of community. I moved to Malaga, Spain, and I'm forming my tribe there. It is a, a tribe of, of artists and entrepreneurs, of seducers, of people that are givers uh, who know the value also of community. And so uh, th the event fits into that. If you have an inkling for community and you want to see it, you want to experience it, at the same time you want to enjoy uh, a, a vacation in the, in the south of Europe with a lot of sun, and you want to experience something epic, you know, then come to Malaga because I fell in love with the city and I'm building my tribe there. And uh, yeah, this is the, the forefront of my understanding and it really is my, my passion. So uh, it's June 11 to 14 or 15 to 18. And you can find it on, uh, I should give you the website because it's going to be official tomorrow. It's on, sorry, this is not easy. It's event dot larteria l a r t e r i a dot org so uh but i don't know if you have a, a website also for oh, your podcast I, you yeah no yeah there. it's the sampler.com it'll be in the show notes so links will be in the show notes if you guys are interested in either 
love a picture of the book. It's very provocative, the cover of your book as well, <laughs> which we should mention it is a, looks like a leopard killing a gazelle. Correct. Uh, it's an antelope. Antelope. <laughs> My bad, an antelope. Yes. Yeah, yeah. An antelope. That's even more impressive because antelopes are a lot faster. Um, so, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, definitely. I would definitely, I was definitely interested when Greg was telling me about it, it'd be a fun trip for Greg and I to do together, but it is in the middle of my farming season. So I will have to meet you in person another day, my friend. Um, but there's, I'm sure life will bring us more opportunities. Uh, like I said, I'm in, I'm in Malaga and I'm, I'm, I'm building my tribe there. So if you cannot come for the events, come at another time. You know, if you're an artist, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a giver, if you really want to make this world a better place, as cliche as that may sound, you're invited. That's awesome. Well, Hans, thank you so much for joining me, man. I had a great time talking to you. I'm glad uh, Hunter Mark uh, introduced me to your work. And, um, and mm -hmm. I hope that uh, my listeners um, appreciate and pick out gems out of what you had to say today as well. Right. This it was very it was very philosophical to me and I, I I'm a philosopher so I like it but it was very different and I like it they come from a, a complete different angle uh, of the people that are, are lost in the discussion we're also scoundrels you know and we can most of the time we we talk about uh, girls and women and what to text next to them so yeah <laughs> yeah no it's that is something that uh, I'm I'm guilty of and then it's just like you know the more just the more I kind of realize it's like, man, it's not, it doesn't matter what I'm saying. All that matters is that I'm being authentic and that I'm uh -huh. doing it in a productive exactly. way. And that's, and I, I, remember, I felt that that, oh, keep going. I felt this conversation was exactly that. It was, I really feel you. I really feel you because of this conversation. And I also felt I was, I'm, I'm right there. This is part of me. And I, and I explored it with you. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. about 58 years old and I looked in the mirror and I realized that I was really starting to get older and I looked at Richard and I realized he was getting older too and um, we just started to kind of freak out about it and we realized that if we didn't do something if we didn't if we didn't change our attitude about getting older that we were going to be very unhappy I wasn't looking for the positive. I, I was, I was freaked out, and I, I was looking at the negative. It, it scared me so much that I wanted to look my fear in the face. When when you look at an old face, uh, if you look at it with judgment, you see an old person. And but if you look at it, just look at it without judgment. You see the the person, the history, the uh, the character, and and that that has its own beauty. But people don't do that. Well, part of coming to terms with with the aging body is to realize how precious life is, and that to focus on the negative, to focus on what you what what you might perceive as negative, to focus on the lines and wrinkles, just is a waste of time because it's just life taking its course, just nature taking its course. And so we began to focus more on the preciousness of life rather than the fact that our bodies were rotting away. 
and you're beautiful. And so are you. <laughs> but it's true. I, I mean, I see her uh, with love. And, you know, it's, it's beautiful. And me too. The whole of our life is, is our work of art. We may use paint or clay as a, a medium of expression, but our real art is the way we live from day to day, how we live with integrity, and how much of ourselves we give to our work and to the people we love and to our world. I think that is the, the true art of aging.